to go right to the heart of it, to go all the way to the heart of it, is that there are, and I, and not in some cheesy or like fucking weird spiritual way, but just basic sense. Mm-hmm. Like guys love each other. They love their friends. Yeah. And it's okay to, and, and not just our friends, but our kids and our wives and, you know, people. It's okay. I mean, <laughs> that's becoming the message that I want to share more and more. Like, guys, hey, it's fucking okay to love. You fucking have to. Mm-hmm. You're happier when you do it. Like, your buddies, it's like, you love them, obviously. Like, just shut the fucking up and love them, right? Mm-hmm. And make sure that you set your life up so you have people you love around you yeah and that you can give and receive love freely yeah. right that's like the that's the big thing that's actually happening here it's not just the right and it doesn't have to be talked about it doesn't have to be sappy right but like that running buddy when you you just get happier when he's around dude that's that's like the that's the fundamental human shit there that's like that's tribal that's right like right Malian. that's like oh i'm safer i'm lit up i'm creative like it's just this thing and like we put all of this time into like nutritional and and like workout shit to like be the best version of ourselves and that's all very good and that should not stop but like if we don't all also attend to our basic human social needs social and emotional needs like none of it's going to get us there that was dan doty and this is the Brendan Carr Podcast. Today my guest is Dan Doty. Dan started his career spending over 600 days as a wilderness therapy guide for at-risk young men. From there he went on to teach high school in the Bronx, and then he produced, shot, and directed over 70 episodes of hunting and food television show Meat Eater. Now he's on a mission to change how men handle their emotions and mental health through Benefit Corporation Everyman. So at Everyman, uh, like the basic work is uh, setting up a basically a sort of a bubble in which we say, hey, here, just be yourself. Actually, we're going to give you some sort of uh, opportunities to be yourself even more. We're going to like notice when you're putting on a mask or sort of throwing some bullshit or putting on this front. Like we're just going to say, hey, we'll, we'll notice that. And that's okay. But like. Be yourself, and you, and you call them out. Yeah, I mean, we have like processes. We have like ex. It'd be like, be like this. We'd be like sitting here. We'd do an exercise, and the exercise would be: tell me everything that you're most afraid of. <laughs> really, right? Yeah. It would be that, and then you actually do that, and then you start to do that, and you recognize that it's okay to do that, and that you're not going to die if you share your vulnerability and what you're afraid of. And the other person af- across from you automatically feels closer to you. You like it's like this immediate drop into like a deeper sense of brotherhood or human connection. And then all of a sudden it's just a different way of interacting with people. All of a sudden you have friends that are like these pre- people you just met become deeper than friends, more than faster than overnight. Right. It's just like, huh, I could actually just tell you what the fuck I feel and what actually is true. So it's more than just feelings. I mean, feelings is a way in. That's one of the things we're repressing. It's kind of one of the main things we repress. But beyond that, it's just this whole me or you. It's just like this whole uh, existence that we put a cap on because we have needed to before. So we go in the woods. You go in someplace like Yellowstone National Park or Glacier or whatever. And with that set of circumstances, with that set of agreements between a group of men, all of a sudden you go out in the woods and it's like 
a crazy fucking adventure, not only in, in terms of connecting to nature and climbing mountains and like pushing yourself physically, but then also you, you're like learning how to be you in a new way because you're learning how to interact with other people in a new way. It's remarkable. So yeah. Does that answer your question? That, that sounds remarkable. Yeah. What, what is it about nature that makes this, that, that is integral to this? Uh, well, I mean, a couple things, I guess. So I, the personal answer is that as a kid, it's where I felt the most alive as a 37 year old man. It's where I feel the most alive. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a sense of, you know, simplicity and just life. Actually life, I think would be the word that makes the most. I mean, like there's no pretense, right? There's, there's, there's no, like, uh, there's nothing out here that allows or forces you to, to, uh, be smaller than you actually are. Um, it's kind of edgy and scary, you know? I mean, honestly, I mean, it's actually kind of fun. So this is just a creek in my backyard, but you know, there's like lots of rattlesnakes down here and there are, uh, scorpions and black widows and all that stuff. So like, there's a little bit of danger, Mm -hmm. which feels good. You know, there's a little edge of danger. Um, and it's just like, it's like our home, right? I mean, primal is our primal home, you know, like, uh, a Costco is not our primal home. Uh, Walmart's not our primal <laughs> home. This is the woods, man. Uh, so there is a natural thing that happens when we spend, and for me it's particularly the more time the better in a sense, but when you live according to natural ry- rhythms for a while, you just start to relax. Mm. And it might not feel like relaxing, but on a deep level, it's sort of like, I think re-regulating your system with a more natural uh, way of being. What's what's that distinction? You said it doesn't feel like you're relaxing. Well, I think to some people it feels scary uh-huh. and nerve-wracking mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know kind of intense to be out in the woods. Um, but so so yeah, on the surface, I don't think it always feels like re- or you know climbing a mountain or, or rucking a pack up a ridge or whatever it might not the like the momentary feeling might not be like oh this is really relaxing but i feel like it's more of a deep like down sort of sense of groundedness or connection that allows like this deeper party to kind of let go yeah, you know it, this like we're fucking animals like we actually are we can't mm-hmm. get past that like mm-hmm. and i think that when we're out there that part of us gets to come out yeah yeah it reminds me of something you said in, in the last episode of your podcast. You were talking about how you have a friend who's a physical therapist, and he said that something along the lines of when people are in pain, chronic pain, they never quite come down. Exactly. And you said that maybe other things, you know, latent anxiety, like kids who can't read and things like that, and perhaps the, the hyped-up sense of modern society and traffic every day, we never quite come down in the way that we could getting away from that and getting into nature. Dude, total, I mean, it's all about the nervous system is really okay. what it's about. It's about the state of our nervous nervous system. And so there's a couple main sort of modes, right? You have the parasympathetic response and mm-hmm. your sympathetic response. And, and you probably know a lot about this, knowing your background, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's this sort of uh, 
rest resting state which is the is which is a, a band of the parasympathetic which is where recuperation happens it's where healing happens yeah. it, it's, it's where creativity tends to come from it's basically in my layman's terms i'd say i'm okay like i'm actually okay right mm. there's like I'm, I'm not feeling the pressure of any you're right it could be like i don't know how to read so school feels shitty yeah right it could be you know, I'm stuck in traffic and I feel really not free and like it, that feels shitty. And I mean, it could be any or chronic pain, right? It's just these little things. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, it's interesting because pain or struggle can be deeply helpful. But what you're naming is these sort of low level or medium level or even high level constant things that keep us in more of a fight or flight place Mm -hmm. the not reading the being in traffic the constant chronic pain it just kind of keeps you at this like "Eh," level of just like kind of shitty all the time Mm -hmm. and so yeah there's uh i think that and i like i like what where you're going with this but getting out in nature and kind of letting go and just sort of being Mm -hmm. without the mental like shit going on um I mean, it's, it's, it's a trip, man. I mean, it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. If you can, if you can be aware of what your body and mind are going through as you, as you're out there, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, it's a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned naming it. You mentioned being aware. What, what is it about sort of putting language or expressing these things that we feel that, that helps people to deal with them? That's a great question. Um, so it's for the first answers it it takes what's subconscious and just underneath the surface and brings it to the conscious mind Mm -hmm. which allows the conscious mind to sort of come into congruence with the subconscious it's like why do i feel this way why do i feel this way why do i feel this way i don't feel good i don't feel good and then you name it and you're like oh oh that's just that and then you can start to take some more clear action about it right so that's the kind of first step like self-ownership of what's actually happening okay right? so that's getting in touch with what's actually true for you so that's like kind of the first step of what we do is, is learn how to check in with ourselves right so it may be yeah there's this nagging feeling what is it like uh just and usually we just kind of notice it but we do other stuff to distract or whatever but if we slow down enough we're like ah you know what? There's this like gross feeling in the pit of my belly. And so I'm going to slow down and I'm actually like be with that. I'm going to be okay with, I'm going to know I'm okay. But I'm going to go into that. What the fuck is that? And so then we maybe check in with emotions. It's like, God, you know what that seems connected to is I have like a, a, a report I have to give at work on Friday and I don't feel like I put in the work. Hmm. And I connect that physical discomfort with that, with an emotion, which is probably just fear or anxiety. And then it kind of all comes in. And then maybe I can take action, mm-hmm. right? I go do the work I need to do. Yeah. Let's, let's cover that. Let's do it. Yeah. The other part, which is just as important and sometimes more important, is that so we can do it for ourselves. But the way that we're wired neurologically is as pack social mammals animals right we, we like we need each other just to survive more than we allow for it usually so when i share what i feel and, and i verbalize it and you take that in and you witness that and you affirm that or you support that or whatever that is that's like the next level because what that allows me to do is be like huh i'm not fucking crazy <laughs> like this is okay somebody else sees this another part of another person in my pack understands me has my back and that allows for a relaxation or like a like just like it and it comes down to the nervous system and a sense of safety it's like oh 
okay, this is true. I feel this and that's okay to feel this. And now I have somebody, you know, that will probably support me in whatever I need to do. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So how did you form this, this understanding? Cause I think that a lot of people could make sense of this, but not a lot of people would put it all together and put it into practice the way that you have. Yeah, I mean, that there's a, there's a lot of parts to that. I think the first main thing is that I was born uh, a pretty sensitive dude, and I could just feel a lot of things, mm. you know? So whatever that is, or or I was shaped as a young person to feel a lot. I, I don't I don't know what the reality is there. Just, just curious, what, what does feel a lot mean? Like, are you, do you have, like, a Spider-Man sense of everybody around you that yeah, you can just kind of pick up on things? Yep. I, can, I, yeah. I tend to be able to feel where, what, where other people are and what they feel. Mm-hmm pretty naturally mm-hmm. right and so part of that interestingly enough is that you know in my sort of hometown home culture and familial setting uh we didn't nobody really ever spoke the truth about what was going on mm. inside of them and so there was just this like big gap between what people said and what people uh felt you know like maybe my mom could come in the room and i could feel like very clearly that she was upset but she said oh i'm okay mm. you know and so, I don't know, maybe that's what sort of turned me more hyper aware of, of other people and those things. I don't know. Um, I'm sure that there's something there that's valid. I, I think where it really become a, became apparent for me was um, I spent a lot of time uh, in the wilderness therapy setting as a guide in my early 20s. So a couple re- a couple things. First of all, I started to learn about human connection and communication through that work and through the work we did with these kids. Mm -hmm. But then even, I think the biggest part for me was literally it's the nature part, right? So when going into nature for, I probably spent 10, 15,000 hours out the wilderness, you know, like many, 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 many days and nights and 24 hours a day away from roads, away from everything. And I think that that sort of like slowed down state I kind of think that naturally when we're there, we start to naturally, I mean, and it's not just me, people start to connect to each other more easily, uh-huh. more fluidly, right? Without as, without as many barriers. And so, uh, I think that's really where it started for me is, is I, I kind of, you know, and again, I say this with a grain of salt and I don't know that I totally believe it all the way, but it does feel to me that I got to spend a good chunk of my early and mid twenties in something of a meditative state mm-hmm. in like a moving meditative state of just being, I mean, I think that there's, there's being in nature that fully for that long. Um, it does, it changes you, you know? And so that I also think that I just kind of am wired with something of a, a caretaker setup, you know? So being out there with these kids, I had to be keyed into what they needed you know, where they were, what they were going through, both emotionally and physically and, you know, survival. Not like we were surviving, but, you know, we were on massively long uh, wilderness backpacking trips and you have to really be keyed into people. What's massively long? Well, some of the kids on the programs would be out, be out in the desert or the woods for like 120 days. Well, Yeah. Um, the The general cadence of working, I would be out there. Some of the jobs were eight days at a time. Most of the time it was 21 days at a time. The longest I did was in the high 40s days at a time. Um, and, you know, all kinds of things in between there. So, you know, multiple weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, these kids would be on, like, a never-ending <laughs> backpacking trip for, like, four months sometimes. Yeah. And what, what's, what's bringing them out there in the first place? Family issues? 
struggle, you know, sometimes trouble with the law, sometimes uh, addiction, you know, drug use, sometimes violence, sometimes uh, playing too many video games. Just basically not shit not working. Yeah, all kinds of different uh, to the point where, you know, that's an, an intervention, right? It's 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 a real intervention to, to support a kid in a family. In a big way, a lot of the so a lot of the work I did though was with in correctional facilities, so it was with kids who were already in the judicial system. So the kids are in the judicial system, yeah. and then you take them out backpacking, or you're or yeah. you're there counseling in sort of a juvenile. No, we take center. them out in the woods. Uh, one of the programs was a uh, some of the best work I've like the most heartfelt work I ever did was a, a program in Minnesota that was a uh, 21 day wilderness program that was. Like instead of a juvie sentence, they'd send them to us, and we'd take them out in the adventure. So you you were the last resort. People come to you, the and, they're, first. and they're really looking for help. Both, both. Okay, I've played both. I mean, I think you know sometimes the wilderness that wilderness one was like, oh, this kid stole a car, but he's you know he's got a chance to kind of get his shit together before before we incarcerate him. You know, which uh, statistically is a bad path to go down. You know, right. once you're incarcerated once, that tends to uh, often continue. Mm -hmm. And so this is, um, I mean, that program was amazing. You know, I think some people might hear that and think that it was a boot camp or we were like hard asses, but it was totally the opposite. Like we really, uh, treated the kids with a, a, a really human level of respect and taught them skills. And, um, that was really beautiful, beautiful work. Yeah. Were you ever nervous? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. I had, you know, kids come after me, kids threaten, kids, threatened to hurt themselves uh. kids threatened to hurt another. i mean it was at times um life or death really yeah like what i had a kid once going to anaphylactic shock and had Whoa. to you know he was dying in my arms i had another kid hurt himself real bad but uh -huh. i won't tell the details about that um yeah a couple different moments of uh threat of of harm mm -hmm. uh which were real real scary uh, but yeah, there was a couple emergent situations that, um, that were very real. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. But you said it is still a very human experience. Like you're hanging out around the campfire and stuff. One thing I've heard you talk about is reading this book that, that I just read Siddhartha. How, how did that play into what you were trying to share with them? I mean, that's cool. I, I, yeah, it's cool to see a copy of it there. I, I read that book aloud to probably like 30 different groups of boys. Yeah. Yeah, it just was, uh, um, I guess, probably. Some of them got into it, and some of them were just like, come on, dude, what are you, what are you doing here? But uh, it's a story of a, of a, of, of a man's life kind of told in um, transitional stages, right? Boyhood to, to you know, sort of being a, a preteen or, or a teenager into, like, young manhood, uh, love it's just it's just to me this this very poignant uh, arc of a human life um, and it's you know it's a spiritually or it's a the book's about a spiritually oriented character who's out trying to sort of understand what the fuck this life thing is and goes into the wood to meditate woods to meditate for a long time and then goes into the city and you know learns about love with this beautiful hooker basically and um which is awesome and then you know learns business and learns how to make a lot of money right. and then and i mean it's just this beautiful arc of a human life that um spoke to me still speaks to me mm -hmm. and uh spoke to a lot of the kids that i worked with too just because 
I think maybe I'm just feeling this now, maybe at the base level, it we're not often given very clear or good uh, examples of like what life might look like. You know, we, we look out at our parents, we look out at the people we know, we look at celebrities and we don't we don't have a whole lot of really like nourishing maps for like what life looks like right. or where we should go next or what it all means. You know? and, and don't men love maps? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, got, I, I, I got a map in the mail last night that was a good one. I thought that's cool. Yeah, yeah. What was it for? Uh, the Sangre de Cristo Mountains in southern uh, Colorado. I'm going on a backpacking trip oh. next next month. Yeah. Yep. So we, we lack these maps in life, and then you, you see a connection in, in the story? Yeah, I think that I think that mapping out the life of a of a human or a man in this case is um you know, there's no one map, there's no one thing, but I do think there's these stages of life that um you know, we don't we don't have that much distinction today in terms of stages of life, right? I mean, we do in, in a sense, like you graduate high school, you go to college or the military or whatever, you get out and then, you know, kind of like what next? It's like, oh, well, build a career, you know, probably figure out this relationship thing. Like maybe have a family if that's what I want. And then, I don't know, keep going. And then maybe kids grow up and then, I don't know, am I going to retire? And then I die. You know, like that's the map. Mm. There's not much meaning there. Mm. There's not much fulfilling like human <laughs> wisdom. Right. It sounds that. like a checklist. Yeah. It just sounds like a, well, I think that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think I think that I think one thing that this book um, spoke to me about, and and that I think I, I, I care deeply about, is that there's just there's so much meaning and like amazing shit available. Hmm. You know, it it makes me sad to think that people are going through life. Um, I don't know. You know, I guess I could say missing out, but just. Um, I don't know. I think I think one thing I noticed with all the kids I worked with and now the thousands of men I worked with is like we're all looking we are looking for meaning. Yes. We're really craving and needing that. Yes. You know. Um and it's available, I guess is my my basic message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Just like with each other. Yeah. 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 It seems uh-huh. it seems that's so much of, of your work. It seems of course deeply meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Are you are you familiar with the work of uh John Eldridge? A little bit, yeah. I yeah. He, I believe he's a Christian-oriented sort of yeah. male role model type guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote the Fire Book, or or which one of the? I don't know. I know he's written yeah. a lot of books, um, yeah. but he's he's got one in particular that I am familiar with that hits on some of the things that you're talking about. He he talks about it being like a map for a masculine journey, and he talks about life yeah. in sort of more meaningful phases where you're sort of a young man, sort of a a cowboy out exploring things, and you know eventually. Later in life, you know, you don't just think of yourself as someone who's going to go to the retirement home and disappear. Yeah. But instead to think of yourself as a sage who still has things to offer yeah. later in life. And it's um, it's it's a map that gives people a sense of meaning to each stage of life rather than a checklist. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. What have what have you seen or can you keep in touch with guys after they do these things? Oh, yeah. So how's that going? I mean, it's beautiful, man. Yeah. I mean, it's really beautiful. Yeah. I have a, you know, like a whole crop of, of young men, uh, both from my wilderness time and both from the time when I was a teacher. I, I taught in the Bronx for a couple of years, and uh, I mean, it's just beautiful. You know, it's uh, it's cool to see them grow. 
and the, you know some of them i'm close to still others have just stayed like social media in touch um i guess just selfishly or personally i mean it's just it's very gratifying and rewarding to have relationships like that sort of intergenerational relationship is very, has always been weirdly important to me mm-hmm. like relationships with older men and then relationships with younger men Again, I think it just um, it automatically begins to build meaning in what we're talking about. Right. Is like, you know, men who are older than me and my wife always makes fun of me. We joke about it. But like we go to a party. like I will find the oldest dude in the room Mm -hmm. within two minutes and I will probably sit there and talk to him for most of the party. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why that is. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's just it's just this like human like tribal normal shit i think that we don't often have the time to engage in right it's like there's a lot to learn from guys who have gone through life right Mm -hmm. and i think i don't know how old i'm guessing you're around late 20s early 30s something like that Mm -hmm. that, yeah there's a lot of meaning to be had by mentoring or supporting or you know sort of teaching younger people too it's it's just like a it's just a deeply human thing yeah how how do you think in the modern world you can make those connections because I find so many so many places I've been in life I've been really among people just my own age like yeah. I think of college yeah. in particular I didn't see anybody yeah. outside of that exact college range if there was a baby on campus it was very strange totally and so I how, how do you how do you make those connections now I mean what you're speaking to I think is one of the main reasons I or we started every man right mm-hmm. I mean like, I think we have to be more intentional about it mm-hmm. I think places that where it does still happen would be churches um, you know it's 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 a good question because today I don't think I think it is hard today um, I don't know YMCA's you know like like community gatherings right like wh- I guess that would be the qu- first question asked is like where in my life are there larger community gatherings that aren't you know, this specialized thing that we're doing. There was a, a, a really cool paper put out by Columbia uh, School of Divinity. I don't know. I think it was like maybe five or six years ago or four years ago. Go Lions. Called, what's that? I said Go Lions. It's my, my alma mater. Really? Yeah. Columbia? Yeah. You went to Columbia? Yeah. It's my favorite school in the world, man. Yeah. If I could go back, I'd go there. Yeah, because you, you were in the Bronx. Yeah. yeah, I lived all over New York City yeah. for a long time. But, yeah. Um, oh, cool. Good for you. And... <laughs> Anyway, this paper was called Why We Gather mm-hmm. or How We Gather, How We Gather. And it was a really cool sort of deep dive into uh, the function that, you know, churches and community organizations have played through history, what that does for people. And then now in our secular society, how people are finding each other for these things in in the modern day. So they studied things like CrossFit. They studied things like soul cycle. They studied things yeah. like, you know, I mean, yeah. really like the things that people get fired up about because not only are they going to do something, they're going to do it amongst a community of people. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, uh, every man is clearly serving purposefully serving that purpose. Right. And at this point it's, you know, it's a men's or men's oriented organization, but you go to a retreat or you go to your men's group, our best men's group have guys in their sixties and seventies, twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties. Right. Like there's, um, it's not always like that. We got groups of guys that are all, you know, 38 white and work in a creative industry too. Right. Like that happens. Sure. Sure. Right. Um, but we do encourage diversity of all types. Right. And I think it does, it opens up an interesting, um, 
conversation about diversity in general and what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I forget your original question. Something about community or oh, 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 oh how, yeah, how why? to do it? Yeah, how to how to find? Yeah, I mean it, it's <laughs> it's a great question, man. Mm-hmm. I didn't hang out with little kids. Actually, it's interesting. So a couple places in my life in my late twenties. I lived in Brooklyn for for about eight months. I shared a house with a friend of mine and her whole family. So her husband and wow. her two little kids. Wow. Her one little boy was actually born in the home while I was there. Whoa. Um, and so that was like, what the fuck? Little, to- like a toddler? Like yeah. I didn't have any experience with toddlers. So I kind of put myself in that position. And then... Um, you know, I, I, I took, I used to take more time specifically hang out with my grandparents and I just don't have much time for that anymore, but it's a good question. I think it's hard. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard to find a, a multi-gen, unless you are lucky with a big family or some sort of built-in community approach, um, or you, you know, you do go to some sort of faith organization or something where that happens, but yeah, it can be tricky yeah. for sure. I, I find like in my neighborhood, I would love to get to know my neighbors mm-hmm. and I go out and I walk the road a lot. But I only see my neighbors driving. Yeah. So they're going by me at 40 miles an hour, and I, I give them a wave. But that's that's kind of all we get often. Yeah. You mentioned that this is one of the reasons that you started Every Man. Mm-hmm. What what would be the other reasons? Uh, I mean, the the biggest reason is kind of intangible. I mean, I um, you know, we and I'll say we because it was we. It was. I feel like. I was in a men's group. Well, yeah, let me just give you the kind of like the, the fast punchy story. I I did that work in the wilderness and uh, got obsessed with what these young dudes needed in order to be healthy and to grow up and uh, kind of continued to live my life. Moved to New York, moved to the Bronx, was a teacher for a while. Uh, got to a pretty intensely shitty place in my life for, for a short period of time and uh, was invited to a men's group which I didn't know existed. I didn't know what it was. I mean, it was like speaking German. I don't know German. So it was actually a German guy that invited me. And, you know, he invited me to this thing. And I showed up and was blown the hell away uh, by how impactful and helpful. Like, I would watch men, you know, come in this men's group and, like, completely shift their life to a place of, uh, and myself included, to really getting clear on what we wanted and then having the like the support and the courage to like go after it and get it, it just happen over and over and over and over. And you know, guys get better at their relationships and be, have better relationships with their family, and uh, really like find their dreams and achieve them. It's just like, well, geez, this is a big deal. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like know? a magic bullet. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, I would say magic bullet, but like pretty fucking helpful, man. Yeah. You know, uh, certainly more helpful than just a protein shake in the morning. You know. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I kind of got really curious about why it was so helpful, but even more so why was it so hard to talk about? Because it still was. It was for me for a long time yeah. to, like, go to a party and, like, talk about a men's group. Like, people would be like, I think part of it was just, like, don't know what it is. I think people were um, maybe rightfully so leery of uh, of a place where men got together and things were confidential and weren't they weren't sharing what went on exactly mm-hmm. you know I, I get it i think i get it i can you know i think it it has echoes of um 
I mean, I think all people have all kinds of sort of images in their mind. I think homophobia plays a part of it. It's like, sure. wow, guys are going to get together and be intimate and, and honest with each other. So I think people are like, what is it, just a bunch of closeted gay dudes? Mm-hmm. I think there's uh, uh, echoes of old, like, secret society shit that people are yeah. like, well, who are you guys? What are you doing? Like, what's going on in there? The reality was going on in there was guys were just like – getting fucking honest and real with themselves like really that that was the entirety of it um so i kind of set out to figure out how to package share talk about a men's group in a way that would be more acceptable or understandable to the to the wide world Mm -hmm. right that really became my mission. I moved out to Montana and Idaho for a while, and I met Owen Marcus, who's one of the co-founders, uh, along with me at Everyman. And he's just this this like amazing dude living up in a on a house on the top of a mountain in Idaho, who really developed this entire uh, method of working mm-hmm. with guys, this entire way to to plug into your emotions, and and um, really simple, very straightforward, and. I mean, it was just very obvious. It's like, wow, well, this guy figured something out real good. And, like, you know, for me, I think the, the clear mission was, well, let's take his work and um, help shape it and bring it to the world. Yeah. That's what we did. Yeah. You know? So uh, I think the clear reasons are I needed the, the core of what we do, you know, kind of somatic and emotional awareness. I needed it myself. I had to go learn it. Um, it was wildly helpful. And I saw the benefit not just for me, but for basically every dude who ever uh, got into it. And I don't know, it just kind of became a, a it clarified as, as uh, my biggest purpose for the last, you know, chunk of my life. Yeah. So. Yeah. You mentioned the phrase somatic awareness. I don't know if many people are familiar with that. Yeah. Physiological body. So noticing what's happening in your body. Mm-hmm. Like what I said earlier, I mentioned that thing about feeling that thing in the pit of your stomach or noticing, you know, noticing when your throat starts to close down, noticing with your jaws clenching, noticing, uh, really just noticing, having a more finely tuned awareness of what's happening in your body. Yeah. Yeah. I was reflecting on this and I was realizing for me, I think I get triggers sort of in my forehead. Mm-hmm. If, if I have like, when I used to have like tension at work or things like that mm-hmm. and like sort of ambiguous situations with a boss or something, I get tension in my forehead or like a throbbing over an eyebrow. But I, I at that time hadn't put that in place. It, yeah. It, it only took sort of reflection after yeah. to come back to it. For sure. It's a hugely impactful thing to really get into that and to, mm-hmm. to it's it's just it's mindfulness is what it is. Yes. It's it's a it's an avenue of mindfulness that allows you to um, be much more on your toes with what's happening with mm. you. Much more sort of aware moment moment by moment what's going on within you, you know. Uh, and it just helps you again create that congruence between your you know, I mean, I could imagine, you know, whatever that situation with the boss and, you know, you got that crunched forehead and just like maybe your mind is just spinning or looping like, ah, if I, could, yeah. I mean, I don't know what the conversation yeah. is. Right. Definitely. <laughs> but but if you can but if you can be like, whoa, whoa, dude, hold on. And like my forehead's really clenched. OK, first of all, let's see if I can relax that a little bit. And um, what, what does that mean? Right. I mean, you can go through this quick thing. like So that means that I'm very stressed. And then you can also learn the tools to. um sort of pierce that moment like uh, you know i think again this is an imaginary situation be like noticing be like maybe you could uh, and maybe a military is like or a boss is not the place to do this but 
say it's with my I'm, I'm just going to give an example with my wife if that same thing is happening i'm really stressed i feel my forehead crunch um i could just have be like whoa babe hold on i just i'm, I'm realizing that like I'm doing that, that my head is like doing that thing. And usually that means that I'm like really like pissed off or frustrated. So I just need to pause. I want to tell you that like, I'm feeling like pretty shitty in this moment. I'm still connected to you. Can we back up and uh, talk this out a little bit? Mm. Something like that. Yeah. Beautiful. You know? Yeah. And I, I think that this, this body connection too is something that it's, it's great that it, it works and it's science. And also great for men, I think, because yeah. men, if it was if it was just talking, I think it might be harder to kind of sell men on it. Yeah. But to hear that, like, no, now I'm going to have this deeper sense of my body and this physical yeah. awareness. It almost sounds like a ninja skill. It sounds, it, it, it sounds it, more masculine. It, yeah. it actually is a ninja skill. Oh, OK. It, well, it, I mean, it, I mean, it really is. Yeah. I mean, when it comes down to it, the, the awareness of yourself, you know, and I say ninja skill with like a like a tongue in cheek in a big sense, but it really is, man. It's like, it's literally just being keyed in to a deeper sense of truth for your own self in the moment mm -hmm. and using that to, to sort of, um, connect mm -hmm. because, because what you're, what you're, I mean, the other thing too, is that first of all, guys suck at emotions, generally <laughs> speaking, right? Pretty clunky, you know, pretty stiff, pretty not fluid in that space. The reality is every human has emotions like all the fucking time. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we can keep them at bay. We can, we can go stoic. We can, we can go down. But when we're doing that, we're also disassociating from what's actually happening. We're disassociating from physiological things that are happening in us. We're, we're, we're disassociating from other things. And there are times we need to do that. And there are times that's the best move you could do, right? You know, when you're uh, pushing a set of squats or whatever, like, you know, disassociating and just going beast on it is totally applicable. Yeah. But for a lot of human interaction, and I would say this is relationships, it's also work relations. Mm -hmm. It's like everything that is relational, when we disassociate from that, it puts other people around us at dis-ease. It, 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 yeah. it, it, it puts people at un, in uneasy states because they don't know what the fuck's going on. They can't tell if we're safe or not. Mm -hmm. And this is primal shit. This is like animal mammalian stuff it's yeah. like you know are you they like, sniffing each other's butts like are you safe are you gonna fucking <laughs> hurt me are you gonna like leave me or like right. what is this right yeah. so when we're disassociated in relation to other people it just sets this whole like edge right and it might be really subtle and most of our relationships are already in that zone you know mm -hmm. um i mean a lot of guys come in and talk about their relationship with their dads and when they were kids i mean you know everybody has a different story with their dad but a lot of the repeated ones are, first of all, he was just absent, either actually mm -hmm. or emotionally. Mm -hmm. Like, he wasn't present with us. Mm -hmm. Another story with dad is that, well, you know what he did show us was, like, anger and aggression, yeah. right? I mean, it, it could be – and there are dads out there that, that, that were present and all that good stuff. But um, it really does come to a head. So I have two young boys now. And so what we're talking about in this sort of ninja skill of being aware of your body and your emotion is, like – Watching it in real time with my young boys, I mean, they are fucking aware of all of these things. Mm -hmm. They're aware of our state. They're aware if we're, like, really tense and angry inside. They're, you know, and, and then... Oh, yeah, you know when you come in the house and dad's mad. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? But, and, but here's the thing. So, like, when we can learn to, to be okay with that ourselves and manage that ourselves, we make it safer th for them. Because what happens in that little boy's mind could be on many things but some some imaginings that come to mind is like oh he's mad at me right mm -hmm. or maybe he's mad at mom or 
uh, maybe he's not okay and I need to take care. I mean, it could be a million things, yeah. but if they, if you're not, if you don't explicitly share it, if you just stay disassociated, they are left to make up the meaning behind the whole thing, mm. which literally sets us up for lifetimes of our fucking patterns yeah. as human. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, many of us still have some of these childhood wounds or whatever, some of these patterns that were set in place that are just like, um, I do this because, you know, my dad came home and now when somebody acts that certain way, it's in my fucking bones and it's hard to not act out. You know, it's right. just so I think fatherhood turns into a really uh, kind of puts this shit to the test almost more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And do you, do you think that your work, your organization could could have an influence on those sort of reactions that people have in, in, a, in a broader sense in culture? It, it already is. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So? Yeah. Well, I mean, guys who who get into this are I mean, and this is all, you know, both anecdotal, but also sort of measured through surveys and, and all this stuff, some of the data collection we're doing. But um, with no hesitation, whatever, I, I, I'm confident to say that the fathers who have taken this kind of shit seriously mm -hmm. are changing the, the trajectory of their families mm -hmm. unequivocally. Yeah unequivocally changing the the trajectory of their uh their children's lives yeah. and their and their marriages and like um it's it's not like it's not a silver bullet it's a lot of work it's uh confusing at times it's scary mm -hmm. it's really scary but um really like and i mean i'm a, i'm a prime example like my dad came to a retreat about a year ago and him doing that mm. and us having that really raw time moments mm. together changed my life yeah change and that in turn is changing my kids life and it's like mm. this is pretty it's some pretty big shit yeah yeah how did how did the birth of your son inspire you <sighs> i mean in a million ways but uh i, I think that my stock answer to that is that um I was still at that time really terrified to talk about, I mean, this conversation we're having right now, it was all inside of me, but I was still really scared to have it. Even after you'd, you'd done the work with boys in the woods and things like that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I was, I, I've, I felt, um, for many years, literally. So I started writing uh, right before my son was born. I started writing some articles, just some web articles, uh, for my buddy's website. And, and uh, I remember writing the first one and, like, really had a, <laughs> a series of moments of being, like, scared shitless, talking to my wife, being like, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, I don't uh -huh. want to do this, I'm scared to do this. And kind of like that, just close your eyes and hit the send button, <laughs> you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I feel it was clear to me this is what I should be doing with my time. And... Uh, I, there was a clear reckoning when Duke, that's my oldest son's name, when he was born or about to be born right about that time, there was a clear reckoning. It's, it was like, I, it felt like it would be, uh, it, it would, by withholding it would literally be harming not, not just him, but more specifically, you know, I guess, I guess like an analogy would be, you know, you go to Walmart and get a, a little plant. And then you want to like till the soil and put that plant somewhere or right by the right window, give it the right light, give it the right water, the right, whatever, like, you know, the right environment to grow up in. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of, that was kind of the, what it felt like is that I needed not only just to be there for him, but, um, 
I need to do my part to, I don't know, cultivate a better world around him, yeah. you know, like create a better garden for him to, to get planted, planted in. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds a little cheesy when I say it, but it was, it was a very real, it was a very real kind of awakening for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sound cheesy at all. It sounds, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a metaphor and yeah. it, it really tells the story. Mm-hmm. Dan, you, you said in, uh, I think it was in your TED talk that now sort of the, the men who we thought of as protectors, a lot, a lot of that role has changed and, and now we see more issues with men as predators and things. How, how do you see your work influencing that? Yeah. Uh, well, I, f- I feel like there's two levels of predator that, and that's an intense word, obviously. Yeah. I mean, the first is, is, is actual predatory behavior, which mm-hmm. is sexual predation, um, you know, uh, inflicting violence and harm on, on others. That's one level of that, uh, which is obviously a massive deal and culturally right now a, a really big deal, mm-hmm. uh, as it always has been, but it's come to light recently. And then the second level that I would say of harm that, that men do is through is more through ignorance and, and not knowing or it's this, uh, you know, it's dad being so stressed out and not able to manage it that he comes home and he's not present for his kids. Yeah. It's dad that, uh, you know, doesn't, is unable to love his partner uh, or his wife as uh, fully or easefully as he probably wants to, mm-hmm. right? So it's that harm that's inflicted by uh, really withholding one's love, not on purpose probably, yeah. but... Uh, in the big, that's just kind of what happens. So I feel like, um, the work we're doing with every man kind of collectively, I mean, first of all, what, what we're really doing is, is just helping guys get more healthy. That's really it on the bottom line. Right. And I feel like if we can raise the mental, emotional sort of, uh, connective health of men in general, like those issues, those predation issues, both of those, both levels of those, um, will be served and services serviced by our work. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think like a, uh, a man, I mean, one of the parts, one of the pieces of work that I'm becoming more and more involved with, which I'm really passionate about right now is, uh, gender dynamics in the workplace and corporations and teams and things like this. And, you know, there's this whole concept of allyship, you know, and how can how can men support women in the workplace? How can how can we create a, a balanced and equitable workplace? And um, what I feel is generally the missing link there is uh, is this. I think the thing that happens has to happen first. There is this baseline of emotional and uh, emotional awareness on men's part. Mm-hmm. I feel like we are not most men are not in a flexible and fluid enough emotional place to have the, the depth of conversations and ownership that's needed, you know, for a guy to, to own that at work, you know, that he's scared of potentially his sexual urges and he feels intimidated by, by women's power or whatever it is. I mean, you could come up with, with sure. many things, but like, Guys aren't really prepped to go there right now. <laughs> I can't imagine that conversation in the workplace. But that's what has to happen. Yeah. That's what has to happen. Uh-huh. We got to get real real about that. Uh-huh. And, you know, it might not be like pulling back the sheets on every scary thing in the workplace, but it c- comes down to trust and safety, mm. you know, is, I mean, we could keep pretending at getting along. 
We yeah. could keep like half-assing it, you know, or we can, um, you know, come to the idea that we can be a human in the workplace too. And we just got to set it up so that that's okay. Mm. You know? So I started doing this, these workshops with a brilliant woman named Cherie Healy and we're calling it reunion. And it's really a, um, it's a two and a half hour workshop where you come in on one end and literally build, have the building blocks of how to have those intense conversations and sort of the apex moment in there is we are, pairing men and women up Ooh. to talk about sexual violation, to talk about equality in pay in the workplace and to talk about intimacy and sex. Mm. And like, it's fucking wildly beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it, it's, it's, I mean, the feedback we've been getting is that people are like feeling hopeful for the world for the first time, Wow. you know, like really, 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 um, cool stuff. I keep getting texts. I just got to make sure it's not my wife. Sure. Yeah. We're good. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you said you've been doing this work with uh with with bigger organizations and stuff. I think you're up in the Bay Area and things. Starting to. Yeah. Yeah, really starting to starting to starting to sort of um do some groundwork for some pretty uh some of our world's largest and most known companies that really are ready to tackle this all mm -hmm. the way. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Wow. yeah. Uh, a couple other things. Um I, I like this one. You said um, that uh, to get into sharing your feelings and things like that, you said that vulnerability times time equals the depth of connection. Mm -hmm. How how does that equation all take shape? Yeah, so I, the first story that comes to mind is when I was in ninth grade, we moved to a new town, and uh, I went to a new middle school, you know, not knowing anybody, kind of scared shitless, and... Um, there was two dudes at the school who lived in my neighborhood, Hagen and Justin. And we started, um, just because we could, we started walking home together from school every day. It was probably a half an hour, 40 minute walk. Um, and, uh, we also went to the same church. And so we just kind of, kind of knew each other. I think our, our moms might've do, done some setup too. I, I, I don't remember, but, um, we just started having that walk every single day, spend that time and, um, you know, became my best friends, like just naturally and easily. And, and Hagen's still one of, you know, he's been a lifelong close friend and, um, that's the time, right? So like, I don't, I don't know that I would have ever become friends with those specific guys if we didn't have that repetitive time together. Right. Like, you know, you just kind of naturally start to know get to know people and it, and it takes time to build a friendship right um i think what's really happening there is over time you're getting these little openings of showing more of your true self right of like maybe sharing a little bit of your mm -hmm. passion a little bit of whatever and and you know it's kind of this like goofy awkward sort of dating thing that friendships do it's like you know like <laughs> how, how are, we, are we gonna really be friends like how's this gonna work right you know, like, right are we going to just kind of awkwardly go through this together? Um, and then, so that's the time part, right? And I think that's pretty obvious that over time people build trust and, you know, respect and all that kind of stuff. The, the equation of vulnerability multiplied by time is that, for example, you can come to one of our weekends or even just a men's group for a couple hours and 
in a condensed amount of time if you push the gas on the vulnerability and you just share who the fuck you are, mm. what the fuck you feel, what you want, what's actually true, what you really like, what's uh, really going on for you, like that's the the the, the ninja skill. That's not even a ninja skill because it's so simple. Is that people naturally feel you? Yeah, they they feel you. Yeah. They get it. And you know what happens when humans feel each other? They fucking come together, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't care who it is. If I'm sitting like where you're sitting, if somebody shows up and just like opens up to me and, and shares their, their like reality and their depth, like, I'm going to fucking love you. Yeah. I'm going to want to do whatever I can to support you. Like, I will probably go out of my way and make shit happen for you. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's just normal. That's not like some weird thing. That's what humans do. Right. That's the that's the thing. That's the actual thing that, that like that. That's a constant. Mm-hmm. You know. And I mean, maybe there's probably some people that doesn't work for. Most people, at least the ones who self-select and come do this shit we do, it's like there's no way around it. There's right. no way around it. Like you care about this person, right? Mm-hmm. And so the depth of connection is you can jump over that long it like if you wanted to build a friendship, especially if you're like a a dude like in your 30s in your 30s or 40s, men in their middle ages, white men in their middle ages, it statistically have the fewest friendships yeah. and the and the highest um acknowledgement of Lack of fulfillment. So have the least fulfillment in their friendships and the fewest number of friends. Mm -hmm. Because we no longer have our sports team. We no longer have our college buddies. Everybody moved away. We're all isolated in our little silos of family. You know, we maybe have some work buddies. We rarely have people really open up to. And we're fucking alone. And these dudes are the same dudes killing themselves. Or medicating. Or Mm -hmm. fucking, like, whatever, man. It's like, like, come on, wake up. (laughs) This is a thing, you know? This is a real thing. And so the the you can you know just think of a actual algebraic equation so take time but up that fucking quotient or up the factor of vulnerability mm-hmm. high dude you can make you can make the best friends in your life in two days i fucking guarantee it yeah. because guys are doing it everywhere i go right you know right. if if male friendship and bonds were a currency I'd be I'd be like <laughs> I'd be a fucking trillionaire. Yeah. I wouldn't be just a billionaire. I'd be a fucking trillionaire. Yeah. You know? It's amazing. Yeah. And it changes how you look at the world. Mm-hmm. Because after every retreat we do, somebody somebody always says, somebody always comes up and says, "Dan, how did you get like this group of guys? Like these guys are the most remarkable people I've ever fucking seen anywhere. Yeah. How would you be able to get these guys here?" And it makes me so happy because I, I I get to say it doesn't fucking matter what group of people it is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who specifically comes here. This is what happens. Yeah. This is what happens. We're all fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. But it's not some bullshit like you're fucking awesome. Be awesome. Just be you. You know, it's not some like prescriptive like that doesn't fucking work. It's an actual experience. And it's, it's, it's an experience of actually seeing people as they are. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like in, in my own life, like, I, I feel so fortunate that as a kid, I didn't get into spending a lot of time alone with video games and stuff, and that I actually, I was obsessed with running, which probably had its own downsides, but I got to be around guys mm. out on the trails yeah. every day, and we weren't that intense on the vulnerability quotient, yeah. but we were intense on the time. Right. Two hours a day, right. out together, sweating, and human connection, touching, you know, yeah. high fives, things like that that uh that i feel so fortunate to have looking back and and when i catch up with those guys one in particular mm. i can just 
it's like we can just drop into yeah. it that there's a depth there and yeah. other people say oh you're happier when john's around yeah there's something different yeah that that came from that it, we we can have this and you can do it through time yeah or you can do it through vulnerability but it seems without either yeah you never find it dude totally and you know i think one of the to go right to the heart of it to go all the way to the heart of it is that there are and, I, and not in some cheesy or, like, fucking weird spiritual way, but just basic sense. Mm-hmm. Like, guys love each other. They love their friends. Yeah. And it's okay to and, – and not just our friends, but our kids and our wives and, you know, people. It's okay. I mean, <laughs> that's becoming the message that I want to share more and more. Like, guys, hey, it's fucking okay to love. You fucking have to. Mm-hmm. You're happier when you do it. Like, your buddies, it's – like, you love them, obviously. Like, just shut the fucking lo- up and love them, right? Mm-hmm. And make sure – that you set your life up so you have people you love around you yeah and that you can give and receive love freely yeah. right that's like the act that's the big thing that's actually happening here it's not just the right and it doesn't have to be talked about it doesn't have to be sappy right but like that running buddy when you you just get happier when he's around dude that's that's like the that's the fundamental human shit there that's like that's tribal that's right like right Malian. that's like oh i'm safer i'm lit up i'm creative like it's just this thing and like we put all of this time into like nutritional and and like workout shit to like be the best version of ourselves and that's all very good and that should not stop but like if we don't all also attend to our basic human social needs social and emotional needs like None of it's going to get us there. <laughs> yeah. When you say it like that, I mean, I know people who wear rings that measure their sleep and things that yeah. measure how much they work out. They keep workout journals. They keep yeah. nutrition journals, diet plans. I don't know anybody who's got a human connection plan. It's, it's like, okay, this it's is when I'm going to do this. the lowest hanging fruit mm-hmm. in terms of personal development and wellness. Yeah. And I think we're on the frontier of it. And I think it's going to become, I think as that becomes mainstream, we're going to see real true shifts in our society. Yeah. Yeah. A guy who I, I also interviewed once, uh, his name's Dom D'Agostino. He's, he's a big oh, scientist, yeah. you know, Dom? Yeah. And uh, somebody asked him, you know, what's what's the key to longevity? Like, what's the one thing that you would focus on? And they're expecting him to say, like, oh, you know, ketosis or eat more fats or cut your carbs or something. Relationships. Relationships was his answer. He said, if you look at the blue zones, the places where people live long, healthy, happy lives, if you look at the, the science behind it, the studies on this, relationships would be the place to start <laughs> what are guys shittiest at right right <laughs> so dan what what would be what would be the place to start in that if somebody was was listening to this and say okay i'll make one little incremental change um every day or whenever you are able to share just one more little uh, truth of yourself with other somebody else around you. Mm. Be just a hair more forthright with who you are with people, uh-huh. and test that out. Yeah, practice. Lean into a little bit more of your own sense and share that. And that is simply an act of vulnerability. It's simply an act of of allowing more of yourself to be seen by other people. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And so that could be as simple as. Uh, you know, speaking up uh, when you when you would normally not. It could be as simple as, as telling your, your partner, um, you know, that you love them with more earnestness or, or, or fullness than you normally would. It yeah. could be dropping a note to your brother who you haven't seen in a long time and just saying, hey, I've been thinking about you and I miss you. Mm-hmm. 
any little any little act of connection yeah that's what i would say cool yeah what do you see for for every man in in the future long term yeah yeah i mean well what i would like to see uh what i envision is a uh really an embrace uh of of mainstream culture into this exact thing we're talking about which is uh relationships and human connection as a as a primary uh see our attention as a culture hook onto that as is us taking care of ourselves and recognizing that that is purely simply inarguably important and every man's place in that i think to start it's a uh i would i it's starting to go global already but i would love to see you know these men's groups or men's circles every man groups uh just a normal part of life uh, first in this country in north america but around the world i yeah. feel like uh you know, at this point, there there's no charge. They are free. It's just a set of tools and skills that we offer, and and you do it on your own time. And you, it's um, a very decentralized operation in that part. And I would love to, you know, help every man help continually destigmatize and and redefine some of these simple human parts of ourselves, mm-hmm. and to. Um, yeah, I mean, I have some big visions too. I I would love for for a sitting president to be sitting in a men's group, sitting in it. Uh, that's a big dream of mine. Wow. You know, um, I feel like uh, corporations, uh, major sports leagues, uh, these things. That's where uh, some real cultural shifts can happen. So I would love to be uh, a part of their understanding and and their dialogue about what they do and. Um, yeah, man. I mean, t- total total inoculation around the globe. <laughs> it's going to be, it's gonna be <laughs> world domination. But then beyond that too is is uh, having it support other conversations uh, for women between men and women. You know, there's there's so many other applications of these. It's yeah. not just a men's thing. Yeah. Right. It just happens to be how we started, and I think there was a particular problem we set out to address. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it really it goes so far beyond just guys. I think it's just. Uh, just an entry point yeah well then before i ask my last question if people want to know more they want to check out this sort of stuff where should they look for you online everyman.com e-v-r-y-m-a-n.com yeah you can find everything there the podcast the the weekend retreats the wilderness expeditions the uh uh any of it and all of it very cool i think we'll just give whatever that is a helicopter or something a second i think that's good cool yeah so Dan, my, my final question is, what can a leader do to create a culture where people are going to share more? Lead by example and mm-hmm. be as uh, sort of this, the word that comes to mind first is uh, disarm b- with your own vulnerability, right? Like you can create a culture of ease and human connection by um by simply being forthright about your own <laughs> truth and about your statements and what you want and finding a comfort in your own self with all of the parts of you that are uncomfortable enough that they change your behavior if that makes sense so if if there's like parts of your job that are um you know it's, it's edgy scary whatever it is i mean whether it's a conflict conversation whether it's a 
uh, we're not doing so good, whether it's like, you know, we're, I would say like, instead of projecting some sort of supposed status quo that is just assumed everybody wants from you, Mm -hmm. you know, stoic, stern, got shit covered, whatever it is, appropriately (laughs) learn to be okay with discomfort yourself first. Mm. Interpersonal discomfort, emotional discomfort, situational, like get to the place where you can be okay with the fucking truth regardless of what it is. And then you can stand in that truth and other people will hear it openly and honestly, and they will see you, they will see who you are, they will see your heart and where you're intended, they will feel your leadership, they will feel where you are trying to get everybody without any bullshit oriented around it, without any sort of manipulation, and that could take a million different forms. So, yeah, learn to get real with yourself so that you can get real with people. Beautiful. Dan, thanks so much. Yeah, man, thank you. Everybody, that was Dan Doty, wilderness therapy guide, a former teacher in the Bronx, and now with every man. And if you want to help us get more great guests like this on the show, then be sure to give us a review, especially on iTunes. That's a huge help, and we'll catch you next time.